Discover how video can help you achieve your sales and marketing goals. It all starts right here in Todd Hartley's Video Marketing Mastery. No matter what you do, your real job is to inject clarity and eliminate confusion because we're all trying to gain influence with our audiences, our clients, our customers, yo, our families. And if we can eliminate confusion and inject clarity, amazing things will happen in their ability to process and understand where you're trying to take them. And that's why I'm joined right now by Dr. Michael J. Urich. He is an assistant professor of management and operational excellence at the Alex G. McKenna School of Business, Economics, and Government at St. Vincent College in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, which for all of you that know Latrobe, that's where Rolling Rock Beer comes from. Mike, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Now, how did you first give us a background and then we'll get into the how did you figure this out? Because I know you're a specialist in taking boring or nerdy topics and making it super digestible for people. But what do you do? Like, give us a little of your background and what you do on a daily basis. Yeah. So, you know, I teach management and I teach leadership and I teach operations, uh, as you mentioned, at St. Vincent, where Rolling Rock's from, where Banana Splits are from, and where Mr. Rogers is from, actually. Uh, <laughs> so we're, we're quite renowned here in Latrobe. But, um, you know, I teach a lot about leadership. And when you think about leadership, how people talk about leadership oftentimes is about a case study, okay? Uh, here's what worked in this context. Here's what worked in this situation. Well, that might work for one person, but might not work for everybody across the board. There's actually a lot of leadership theory out there that is academically supported, that is, um, you know, research driven, that is more generalizable to all contexts. But the problem is, it's not as digestible as some of those case studies, because what you read in the popular press tends to be the more the more fun things, the, the case studies, and not so much the dry theory or research behind it. So what I like to do is to take that theory and make it more interesting. Try and make it more, as you said, digestible so that people can understand the theory uh, more easily so that they can apply it more to their own personal leadership activities. And one of the ways that I do that is through using popular culture to illustrate some theories to make it more meaningful to readers, to students, uh, to, to people in business. Now, if you're listening right now and you're thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute, I mean, he's a professor and I don't teach students. What you really should be doing while we're doing this conversation is thinking about how can you take popular culture or um, references that are easy for people to understand and then correlate them to your complex topics in your career. So when you're in front of a prospect, a customer, you're able to explain the nuanced details of your business in a way that they'll never forget it. Now, Mike, when um, you're talking to students and you're using pop culture, pop culture, that's like your way of grabbing their attention, right? And that's an easy way. Have you noticed with students that when you take it from the boring textbook and you make it into something that they already have passion or interest around, you get a different level of engagement? Absolutely. There's a lot of excitement when I start talking about Star Wars or the Avengers or, you know, some area of pop culture that they're familiar with. They all of a sudden can relate to it. You know, they, they were never CEOs. Most of my students, they, they may not have been managers before. They might not have that much work experience, but they've seen these movies. And so they can relate to these individuals basically operating in what would be organizations as leaders. And so we can look at these theories 
overlay them with some examples from from these movies or shows and then the students get it it clicks and you know years later i have students come up to me and say hey remember when we talked about this uh-huh. in your class and i'll say yes and, and i'll say do you remember the theory behind that and they'll easily be able to talk about it and easily be able to to suggest how they use it in their own work experience but my work isn't even just necessarily for students uh the books that i've written in the book series uh, exploring effective leadership practices through popular culture they're actually meant for people out there in organizations who want to improve their leadership ability so that they can read this so say you're a star wars fan you can pick up the book read through it and then see, oh, yeah, I, I see how Yoda did this. I see how Luke did this. Yeah, I can put myself in that role now and engage in a similar behavior in my organization to hopefully achieve some some solid results. Okay, I love everything about this. I'm a nerd for it. I'm, I grew up struggling miserably with attention and learning disabilities. And what you've tapped your finger on is the difference between somebody being totally disinterested and how you make it hyper-relevant in their world so you can achieve your goal as an educator. We're all educators. It doesn't matter what we do, but what about your peers? Not everybody thinks that their job is to make learning easy. I mean, educators have for, um, you know, for eons have stayed with the material and been dry about it. What is the difference between an educator that knows how to, make something personalized and relevant for the audience's in engagement so they could learn better compared to one that just stays into the dry, boring material? Well, I think, first of all, I should say that I've been lucky to work with a lot of educators who are into the very, um, the relevancy side and, and not so much the, the boring side. Uh, and so I found a lot of support among my colleagues and, and others for this book series and, and for my approach, although it is a little bit unorthodox. You know, if you go to some of these academic conferences or academic meetings and you're talking about Star Wars, you're talking about Lord of the Rings, uh, people kind of wonder, well, well what, what place does that have here in, in academia, uh, at least in business academia or, or management academia? Um, but but the response I've been met with has been really positive. You know, we have a lot of great authors in the series who are taking on this model and, and using it as well. We have a lot of instructors who are taking a look at the books and the, and the process that we've developed and then incorporating it into their own classroom. So I think there is a push in academia or at least business academia today to make things more relevant, to make things more fun. Uh, and I think that it's going to continue to, to go in that direction. At least I hope it will. You know, whenever I'm on stage, I'm always thinking, how can I explain something that is, you know, that the audience doesn't really care about, but they need to know? And how do I do it in a way that keeps them interested and laughing along with me so I can get them to the end goal destination where they have the epiphany breakthrough? And they're like, damn, this is actually really easy. And I can actually not only understand, I could probably explain it to other people. And it seems like, do you have a, like a nerdy obsession with making things simpler for people? Well, you know, I don't know if it's a nerdy obsession with that, but whenever I see uh, a show or go see a movie, you know, I'm trained as an organizational behaviorist. And so in the back of my mind, I'm always seeing those, those theories and that phenomena. And so I'll be sitting there watching a movie and I'm thinking, oh, that's related to this theory or that's this type of leadership. So I'm constantly seeing that in my mind. And, and the culmination of that has been, as I'm seeing it, 
you know, then the next day I'll go into the classroom and I'll say, hey, has anyone seen this movie? Did you yeah. notice this theory played out in this movie? And and all I did from there was just kind of um, with the book series, write it down, write it down and get it out to other people to a broader audience. But did this start off with you just wanting to figure out how you could write off your movies? Or <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Well, uh, but in a sense, it does, you know, I, I'm kind of a workaholic. So if I'm not doing work, I feel like uh, <laughs> I'm not being productive or I'm being lazy or something. Yeah. And so this gives me uh, the opportunity to actually see a movie or watch a show because I feel like I'm working then. <laughs> Let's take a couple topics. Like, I know you wrote a book about generational issues in the workplace. Is there cultural references or some pop culture that can be used to explain this to people that will make it easier for them to understand the differences in the different generational issues. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the book you're referring to is, is the generation myth and that's outside of the series that I mentioned. Uh, that's, that's uh, from a different publisher, in fact. Um, but in that book, even there are some pop culture references and the two other books that I, that I uh, have out to one, uh, a manager's guide to using the force. That's the star Wars one. And then leadership in middle earth. That's the, uh, the Tolkien Lord of the Rings one. I also touch on generational issues in both of those as well. Uh, and so, you know, if you think about in Star Wars, there's that there's that um, theme of mentorship. And in that series, it seems as though it's, it's oftentimes intergenerational mentorship in nature. Someone who's a little bit older, uh, handing down knowledge or ideas to somebody who's younger. But what I really liked, and not to get too, uh, you know, deep in the weeds here, uh, or to upset too many Star Wars fans. I know that The Last Jedi is one of the, the most uh, disliked pieces of the saga. <laughs> That's one of my favorites, because what I really enjoyed about that was you saw a reluctant mentor in the character of Luke. Ray comes to Luke to be mentored, but what ends up happening is, in essence, she mentors Luke, too. She gives him a little bit more hope, and so they form this relationship where they can both mentor each other. And that's true, as I see it, uh, a best-case scenario in terms of intergenerational mentorship. People have different skills. People have different knowledge from different generations. And so mentorship can go two ways uh, in those types of a relationship. Um, in The Lord of the Rings, you see a lot of intergenerational issues as well in terms of, you know, who's going to, to be the king of Gondor? Who's going to rule? You know, how, how does that lineage or that generational um, um, I guess succession play out uh, in terms of just who's chosen as a leader uh, in Middle Earth. But beyond that, who's mentored? You know, you have the character of Theoden who mentors a hobbit. And so the hobbits are, are sort of representative of these, these common people who, who probably aren't aspiring to leadership roles. Well, here's a king who's actually mentoring uh, this person. And so you can kind of take this, you know, if you're going to extrapolate this into the business world, here's a CEO who's mentoring an, an analyst and saying, you can be a leader too. You can do this. And so you see a lot of generational issues uh, in terms of that type of mentorship as well. Now, if somebody that's listening is trying to get a leg up on how they recreate this uh, discovery process and then implementing it into their teaching, or in their, I think everybody's teaching. So I'm not using it like a, a like like the context in which you do when you have people sitting in chairs, hmm. but or on Zoom. But um, are you like as you're going through your day to day and as you're watching a movie or TV or whatever, are you looking for like a pattern that's like a blueprint, and then you lift up that blueprint and you can see where else 
these rules apply and then you could teach it that way? Um, well, in a sense, I suppose so. You know, uh, as I mentioned, I kind of always have these theories in the back of, of my mind. And there are some theories, I think, that are uh, more easy to see than others. So, for example, uh, there are Tuckman's five stages of, of team development. Okay, so every team supposedly goes through these five stages. In almost every movie in which there's a team, you see those five stages very clearly. And it's just, you know, in my mind, using then that piece of pop culture that's well known to a variety of people uh, and that you can package in some way to either describe it or show clips to illustrate it or, um, you know, talk about it. And so it's about finding that, that match between here's what the theory is. Here's a clear example of it. Now then, how do I put it together and, and get it out to somebody so they can see the theory through this piece of pop culture? All right, so pop culture references or pop culture examples is a wonderful way of taking a boring topic and making it something that is interesting, relevant to the audience, and something you can replicate if you are you're um, aware of these these uh, what's the word you used a few moments ago? There's like a a pattern that you have to just be aware of. And then you can start implementing that in front of other people and make it easy for them to understand. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not really difficult to do in fact. And, and, and I do some, some seminars and some training uh, for instructors about how to use pop culture in a more formal teaching atmosphere in the classroom. And, you know, it has to be you, it has to speak to you. So if I were to go and teach about, you know, use a, an area of pop culture that I don't really enjoy, it's going to fall flat no matter who right. I'm talking with. So you have to be passionate about what you're teaching, the concepts of the theory, the idea, but also really enjoy the, the piece of pop culture that you're using to illustrate it. So that there's that, you know, there's that, that passion behind what you're saying and, and that drive to get the idea across. If, if you don't believe in the theory or the concept that you're trying to teach, it's going to fall flat. If you're not really enjoying the, the piece of pop culture that you're using as a tool to illustrate a theory or a concept, it's going to fall flat. You really need both. And one of the parts that people miss is that it has to be uniquely you. Right. Yeah. That's actually, you know, I, somebody, whenever anybody asks me and I get asked almost every day, the question about uh, how long should a video be? What they're really asking is how much time. Right. And the real answer is it's not about the amount of time. It's about the quality of the story. And if the story's great, you'll sit there all day. That's why you've got a butt divot in your couch. And um, I don't know if you do, so don't take any offense, but I have two butt divots. But um, the but my point is I'm always finding something. Like I usually teach people how long a video should be by talking about overstuffing a Chipotle burrito. And now nobody can digest it. That's good. When what you really want them to do is come back for more. So you should be really thinking about a few ingredients like little enchiladas. And in doing so, people will eat it They'll enjoy it and they'll want more and you want your audience always craving more. So like I, like once you kind of teach that to somebody, like you said, with students, you have a much higher retention rate leveraging pop culture than you do just keeping them in a textbook. Correct. Absolutely. And, and I, I like your approach too. And that's a, you know, that's a very you approach and you're, you're basically, you're using an analogy to talk about, uh, you know, what you're specializing in. And so that's exactly what I'm doing too. I'm, I'm using an analogy through a story present in pop culture 
to talk about what I'm a specialist in. So it's yep. very, very similar. And uh, sometimes if the, sometimes I'll switch if I'm talking with salespeople and I'll just talk to them about dating mm. because dating is falls under the same principles as sales in relationship development, earning trust, earning more time. Um, con the conversion process is different in dating than it is in sales, but that's a different topic. <laughs> but, um, but I like your approach Do have, has, have people ever thought that it was bad as an educator to be taking a pop culture? Like you get pushback from people sometimes that don't consider you to be like, you're not really teaching because you're using pop culture. Yeah, I think maybe earlier on I might have, but it's been a lot fewer recently since since the book series has started. Uh, since you know we have two um, we have two books in the series currently in print. We have two more coming out uh, next year, and so I think with the success of that series and, and the legitimacy of of you know those authors and what the the content of this of the series, uh, we're getting that a little bit less. Um, but yeah, I think at first there were some skeptics that would that might say. Are you just talking about movies? Are you just watching movies in the classroom or or in your training or in your coaching? You know, how are you relating to that? But really, I can't stress enough. The key is this. If you go back to the content and go back to the theory, that's what's important. And and whenever I coach other instructors, I always say, just don't put a piece of pop culture in there just because you like it. It has to clearly showcase and highlight a theory. If the students can't see the theory or if it's questionable in your mind, don't show it. Don't don't use it because then that's how you're going to lose credibility. If your theory doesn't connect with what you're teaching, then you've confused and you're going to lose. Yep. Right. Absolutely. All right. Um, do me a favor. Where can people find out more about you and where can they purchase books? So my my website is michaelurick.com. Uh, U-R-I-C-K. Michael M-I-C-H-A-E-L. So michaelurick.com. And the books are available on Amazon. You can just search for me, Michael Urich, or you can search for a, uh, a manager's guide to using the force. That's the Star Wars one or leadership in Middle Earth. That's the uh, the Lord of the Rings one. He's Dr. Michael J. Urich. He is an assistant professor of management, operation and excellence at the Alex G. McKenna School of Business, Economics and Government at St. Vincent College in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. If you Google him. He's yeah, super absolutely. easy to find, purchases books, learn from him. Because look, here's the big takeaway. Anytime you can make it easy for your audience to understand your complex topic. And I think you're not an expert unless you can make it easy for other people to digest and understand. So anytime that you can learn how to do that from a specialist like Michael, you're able to communicate and educate people at a completely different level. And they will remember your information forever. Michael, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Todd. This has been great.